Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look. And I'm obsessed with looking for it. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. Each week, I have a short conversation with someone who inspires me or teaches me something about life, leadership, and other curious things. I hope you'll join me on the journey. Listen to a bit of optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Information Network and six-time Emmy-nominated news anchor Vanessa Tyler welcome you to Blackland. A podcast about the ground on which the black community stands right now. From stories about salvation and loss. I loved a person who had an HIV diagnosis. To dreams achieved. Or yet unfulfilled. From people who have made it. I sat down with a therapist and I began my journey. To those left behind. Listen to Blackland on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nazi V-2 was a rocket-powered bomb traveling faster than the speed of sound. You couldn't hear it coming. A technological miracle, but a military and economic disaster for Nazi Germany. How did the V-2 come into existence, and why were so many of the people it hurt not the people you might expect? Join me, Tim Harford, host of Cautionary Tales, for my gripping mini-series on the V-2 rocket, available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, fellow 20-somethings. It's your girl, Sydney Winter. And guess what? The wait is finally over. Season four of Crying in Public is here, and I'm flying solo for the very first time. That's right. No co-host to rein me in. Just me, myself, and the mic. From relationships to careers and all the awkward encounters in between, we're covering it all. So mark your calendars and set your reminders because Crying in Public is dropping its juiciest season yet. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Gramling. And I'm Connor Roark. We have some dream trades to get to later in the show from Connor's dreams, Connor's fever dreams. (laughs) We're going to find out what these are. Uh, I don't know them at all. I can't wait to uh, have these unveiled, but we're starting to show with a couple of a couple of QB controversies here. I guess one's not really a controversy because it's settled now, uh, and we have one going on in New England most certainly, but man, I don't know. I just didn't picture a world where around week eight we'd be talking Sam Ellinger and Bailey Zappi on this show <laughs> in any significant way. Yeah, I mean... that. If you would have asked me to make something up at the beginning of the year that sounded weird, and I used to do that a lot, like um, when I worked at NFL Network and 
sometimes during the early days of the MMQB, there were these prompts, right? Like these group discussion things where they would say like, oh, give us this, uh, give, uh, you know, like which team will win the next, the most Super Bowls in the next five years. And sometimes mm-hmm. you're just like, I don't feel like doing that. So you're just, you make something funny up. Like I said, like something like the San Antonio, the San Antonio Buccaneers or something like that. And then made up this wild scenario where Steve Belichick coached the San Diego or San Antonio Buccaneers, whatever it is. And so if you were to ask, if I had an annoying prompt before the season, I would have probably written something like Bailey Zappi and Sam Ellinger, like, you know, (laughs) take center stage in a week eight. Like, it's like, what, what is happening here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where we find ourselves. Uh, Let's start. Let's start with Ellinger. Because certainly this is the one that is, like I said, it's settled now. Matt Ryan is injured, but as the Colts stated, heading to the bench regardless. Uh, Let's start with Ellinger, the player, and what he maybe brings to this offense that's a little bit different. And then we'll kind of get into maybe some of the politics going on behind this and and throw out all our conspiracy theories and all that stuff. But uh, the one indisputable plus here you get from moving to Matt Ryan, who is not playing well. It was not working out this season uh, to Sam Ellinger is you have a little bit mobility back there. I think it not only, and I don't think they have huge protection problems, but uh, certainly it will mitigate any protection problems when you have a, a quarterback who can protect himself to an extent, but also it gives you a little more in, you know, just, just another dimension to your run game, uh, just something else for the opposing defense to think about. And they, in the past, have used Ellinger as a, uh, you know, basically gadget, uh, tiny Taysom Hill type of guy. Yeah, Um I guess you could say, and um, you know, I'm, I'm, I made this argument, uh, a version of this argument in the Rogers and Bra- uh, Rogers and Brady column I, I wrote earlier this week. And I, I, at some point, right, I think you just got to move around a little bit. I think offenses mm-hmm. are designed to require some sort of a of, of a movement, and I think that's especially true with the run game. And I think that's why we were all surprised that John Taylor took a step back when he did. And, you know, maybe that has a big part to do with it. Like Matt Ryan, you know, I'm not ready to say that the days of the pocket passer are over. I mean, certainly Joe Burrow is showing that that's not true. But in order to thrive as a pocket passer at this point, you have to be like Burrow, Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and have next level alien type pocket awareness. So if you don't, um, I, you know, I don't know. Is this too takey to say like you would almost rather, uh, a mediocre mobile quarterback than a mediocre plus pocket quarterback at this point? Look, I prefer that in the past. I think the thing you would hear from maybe a lot of coaches when it comes to this decision is you want to know where the ball is going to go when you call a play. Like, you have to have an idea that your your quarterback will execute the play correctly. You probably had a good feel for that with Matt Ryan. Again, it was it was not working out for a number of reasons, but uh, you really don't know what you're getting from Sam Ellinger. Uh, and that affects not only individual play calls, but how you build uh, your play calling off previous play calls and that sort of stuff. And I think that's what you're, that's what you're losing here. Uh what that value is, I don't know. I think it's one of those things where I bet Ellinger is a guy who a lot of offensive coaches would say, nah, not really, not for me. But a lot of defensive coaches will kind of be like, well, this is kind of a pain in the butt. 
that it's this guy instead of uh, a statue Matt Ryan back there. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, first we should acknowledge the obvious, right? That um, Matt Ryan, uh, his deal tolls for injury guarantee uh, at some point here in the next couple of weeks, right? Mm-hmm. So the Colts don't want to pay him for next year if it's a lost season at the position and then he gets whacked behind the line and gets hurt significantly, right? I mean, I think that there's a there's most definitely a contractual element to this, but I think you're right. Uh, you watched Ellinger in the preseason. I don't know. Did you watch it? I, I, you watched a little bit of <laughs> Sam Ellinger in the very preseason. <laughs> precious little, uh, precious little, but, um, he, I don't know. It's, it's movement style reminded me a little bit of like, like Baker Mayfieldy, right? Um, he's a touchy thrower, you know? Um, and, I think he can step up in the pocket and there's an absolutely, I mean, they ran zone read with him when he was in, they ran, yep. they ran it. And, and I, I don't think we can underscore and it, it sounds like we're simplifying this, but I don't think we can underscore in this moment in NFL history right now in the too high shell era, like how important that is. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of good pass rushers out there right now. You need the ability to get that extra number in the running game. And Hey, I mean, Ellinger, he he had, I think he had a really spicy preseason touchdown run against the the Buccaneers. I want to say um, it's like a sixty yard touchdown scamper. You could call it a scamper. So you know it, it, he does that for you for sure. I should, uh, boy, I, I was not honest with you, Connor. I have not watched a snap of Sam Ellinger preseason. <laughs> I don't know why I sort of said. Yes, I had. I implied I had. Uh, that's that's just not true. I don't want this to come back years from now when I'm running for uh, a political office and have this bite me in the uh, in the behind. So I just want to get out there now. I've never watched a Sam Ellinger uh, preseason snap. I watch a lot of his stuff at Texas, and and yeah, I, I think Baker, uh, not college Baker. Uh, I think maybe no. NFL Baker is. Yes comparable i think he's probably a little bit better uh in the run game and yeah i think that's i think that's what you get i think you're just basically giving the defense something else to think about you raise a really good point with the with the contract situation that ryan uh the other thing this kind of smells like to me is you know we saw some reports that uh you know jim Irsay is is involved in these uh in these decisions and these conversations this kind of smells like a well, better see what we have just in case type of uh, type of deal going on here, and you give him the tryout for the second half of the season, and maybe you tripped and fell into a usable starting quarterback. Most likely, you you didn't, and you'll you know it, it, it seems like they are pretty dead set on drafting someone very high next year. Yeah. Um, do you want to hear my real crazy? inside football take on uh, on why this could work <laughs> of course i do okay um so number one thing right that shuts down i mean ellinger right at texas and like all these kids right i mean it's about finding different ways and more creative ways to run run pass option for these mm-hmm. kids right i mean that's what they're most used to that's where their bread is buttered that's what they're trained to do um if you ask coaches in the nfl what shuts down run pass option better than anything else and prevents you from using it at the next level physical press coverage and so mm-hmm. you look at the remaining schedule and it's like okay uh we got the commanders 
we got the Patriots, we got the Raiders, Eagles, Eagles can do it. You got the Steelers, um, Cowboys could do it, Vikings could do it. But I mean, there's a couple of these games where you're like, all right, I mean, if we can pop a few of these things, we mm. can get Taylor moving. You know, maybe we win two or three games. I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, at this point, right, it's probably your advantage against an opponent is 49% Ryan, 51% Ellinger at this point. And maybe mm. I'm not saying that's the thing that toppled them over the top, but you're going to run it. I mean, it's going to be a Wentz offense, right? You're going to run a lot of RPOs. You're going to try to conflict the DNs and get John Taylor the ball outside and maybe a pop a few of these things because you don't play a ton of physical press guys over the next few yeah. weeks. Yep. And uh, and look, we can look back to last season. Th- this is going to feel a lot more like that Carson Wentz offense. Uh, we were, you know, scratching our heads a little bit why they were so eager to move on from Wentz. I don't think it was necessarily a mistake. Uh, they clearly were not into him, and I-, I don't think it made a whole lot of sense to bring him back if that's the case. But, uh, man, this is, to me, this is the most disappointing team in the NFL this year. I thought this was mm-hmm. an 11 or 12 win team. Uh, I think you have seen. I, I think Gus Bradley is a is a good defensive coordinator. I don't think he's Matt Eberflus. You've seen the defense slide back a little bit, uh, and you know my argument for the season for this team winning twelve games was, you know, uh, you had a quarterback you didn't trust last year. You get some calm to play from Matt Ryan, and now what do you have? Uh, well, you know, it hasn't been good offensively, and they've slid back defensively, and I'm not sure there was really a good answer coming in the second half of the season uh, if they didn't do something to change this up. Although this does just feel like a white flag. Do you, do you, do you Curtis painter this thing? Do you soft tank it at this point? Cause you got three, three good guys. And here's, here's a point that I think I should have made um, earlier on the podcast. I don't know what else, like everyone's like, oh, the Colts, you could, you know, you couldn't have done something different. What else could they have done? If you date back to Andrew Luck's retirement, and again, I think that the the excuse, the the time frame to use this excuse is now over. However, you date back to the retirement of Andrew Luck, you go with Jake Brisket for a year, um, and then you decide to move to Phillip Rivers. Criticism one could be that you didn't make a bigger run at Tom Brady. And you went with Philip Rivers, mm-hmm. but I don't know, man. You think Tom Brady's going to the place that ratted him out for Deflategate, and that Josh McDaniels wouldn't go coach at? I don't think so. Um, probably not, right? Yeah. Once um, I mean, once they made the switch to Rivers again, I, uh, you know how I feel about Jacoby Brissett. I don't think uh, in the alternate universe where they stick with Jacoby Brissett for four years, you're probably in the same spot where you're looking for an upgrade. But I do think you're getting a level of competence that is probably higher than you got from Carson Wentz a year ago. It's higher than you got from uh, Matt Ryan this year. Uh, it's probably not as high as they would like it, but it you know the last two years would have been better. Uh, but I understand why they went with Philip Rivers, and that made a lot of sense too. It's just you know, it's it's hard to do this. It's hard to do this year after year, and that's why they want to get away from it. Yeah, they're picking high in 2018, um, but they still had Andrew Luck. And I mean, in some real sideways universe, you could be like, oh, they should have been like Brian Gutekunst and drafted Josh Allen that year instead of. But you know, they probably would have taken Sam Darnold. Uh, you know, he was yeah. universally looked at as a better player. So I don't know. Even in that crazy scenario, you're not set at quarterback. 
And then what? You want to take them to take quarterback last year when there was absolutely no first. I mean, you want Kenny Pickett right now? Yeah. I mean, you know. So I don't think you know. I thought they did the best they could, right? You, you didn't. They they weren't getting a crack at Deshaun Watson, and we probably would have been all over them if they tried. Um, but the Texans were never trading him in the division, and you're going to give up three first round picks for Russell Wilson. You know that I don't think that looks yeah. very good right now either. I mean, there's no, <laughs> there's like they really. I honestly think they did the best they could in given those circumstances. That said, you are now unable to use Andrew Luck as an excuse anymore. Yes, no, I think that's true. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We have more insightful conversations between myself, Paul Muldoon, and Paul McCartney about his life and career. It was 20 years ago today. We had a big bear of a man, it's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I miss her. <laughs> I said, what? Sergeant Pepper. This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, here, there and everywhere. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. What does optimism look like? I'm on a quest to find the people who inspire us to dream more and do more. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. I talk to all sorts of people, from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to a hairdresser on Instagram who gives out free haircuts to the homeless, from the CEOs of the world's largest companies to the comedy writer who visited the wreckage of the Titanic. I love talking to leaders, artists, authors, and eccentrics about life, leadership, purpose, mental fitness, human skills, high performance, and other curious things. It leaves me feeling wiser, more inspired, and, well, more optimistic. Because after all, this is a bit of optimism. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look for it. Listen to A Bit of Optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call him Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. 
but we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back from me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Information Network and six-time Emmy-nominated news anchor Vanessa Tyler welcome you to Blackland. A podcast about the ground on which the black community stands right now. From stories about salvation. And loss. They did not love themselves enough to know their HIV status, to not pass it on to me. To dreams achieved. Or still yet unfulfilled. From people who have made it. We started a hospital-based violence intervention program called the IV Project, and it stands for Interrupting Violence in Youth and Young Adults. To those who have been left behind. But no one talks about the survivors of the gun violence, and the number is rising because the gun violence has risen. Politically. Financially. Emotionally. Spiritually. This is where we are. This is Blackland. And one of the things that my father said to me before he passed away, it's like almost like a prophecy. He said that I would be helping men. Listen to Blackland on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, well, let's go to Foxborough, where we have a full-blown quarterback controversy. I mean, this was wild on Monday night, uh, watching this thing unfold. Uh, what What was your reaction as you saw Bailey Zappi come off the uh, come off the bench there, pure energy. Um, mm. And <laughs> this is like not a moment that I'm proud of as a uh, as a dad as a human being. But um, <laughs> it was bedtime right when this was happening. Right, and my main thing in life is gotta read the bedtime stories every night. That's mm-hmm. like my thing. Can't miss it, no matter what. Home or away, and I go out. One of the books is on the dining room table. And then all of a sudden you see Zappy come in, crowd goes bananas, and then he throws that bomb down the field. And for a minute, I just totally forgot about where I was or what I was supposed to be doing. And I just got, I got wrapped up. Um, I, I, I had straight up, I, there were Zappy days in my house, you know? And like 10 minutes later, <laughs> my daughter's like, hey, what's going on here? I thought we were... Uh, I thought we were reading Dragons Love Tacos, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, sorry, let's refocus. Mm. But I was taken by the moment, and I, I can't say that that's happened a whole great deal of times during the NFL season this year. I was hoping you were going to say you, that, that you jostled the kids awake. Be like, guys, Bailey Zappi's in. Come on. <laughs> Everyone's got to see this. Uh, it, it was, and we're going to take a step back and be a little more rational about this, I think, as, as we discuss it, but... It was the crowd reaction was wild. Uh, the and look, boy, that that wide open uh, play action pass to, to uh, Jacoby Myers that happens right afterwards. It's like, oh my god, like what, what is this? Uh, and he made a tremendous throw on the next drive to Devontae Parker uh, yes. on a nine route as well. So there were some good things. Uh, when you step back though, I I think there. Are, and look, it's it's all kind of guesswork at this point. Uh, there's no rational argument uh, in my mind for for playing Zappy over Mac Jones, except he seems to be more comfortable with what Matt Patricia is doing as a play caller uh, than Mac Jones. Mac Jones seems completely uncomfortable with it. Uh, I don't know if that's a matter of sort of the uncertainty 
over the course of the summer about who is going to call the plays, who's the offense coordinator, all that stuff that seemed to really just sow some confusion there. Uh, maybe that sort of put the two on even footing, but <clears throat> you know, I, I think it's become fairly clear over the last half decade uh, for young quarterbacks. It's kind of a traits first position. It's not a traits mm-hmm. only position, but it's kind of a traits first position. Mac Jones is not a traits guy, but every box, you know, he is arm talent is significantly better. Athleticism significantly better. Uh, and I think he's like two or three inches taller. Uh, if you're talking about operating from the pocket, it's really difficult to see a scenario where Bailey Zappi becomes anything more than sort of a, a schemed up system type of guy that maybe plays mistake free football. And I don't even know if he plays mistake free football, if he's going to be out there a lot. I um you know it's funny uh the I think the most mishandled thing and Belichick doesn't care let's let's put that out there first mm. right we're not dunking on him by saying this the only people who care about an explanation for the move are people who cover the team right yeah and so you know Belichick was asked about it after the game and he said yeah no that was always the plan <laughs> was yeah. like to which is not true. And then they asked like every uh, the the beat writers asked like every offensive player, "Hey, uh, were you told that like in practice this week was it like yeah, you're going with Zappy after like the third series randomly?" And everyone's like, "No, that was uh mm. that was not the plan." And you know, Billy Zappy's just terrified of Belichick, and so when he's asked about it, he's just like, "Yeah, no this uh yeah, whatever he says." So, <laughs> um but it seems like this decision was crumbling on like the his reason for the decision is crumbling on him. He clearly rode the hot hand and, you know, you hearing the whispers out of, um, I think it was Ben Volan at the Boston Globes. Uh, had the thing about Mac Jones having some attitude issues. Our own Albert Breer, I think a couple weeks ago said that there's a definite discord, um, between Patricia judge and Mac, uh, in mm-hmm. terms of how the offense is going. So this could just be Belichick being like, hey, I, I really don't care. I don't have time for this. If you're not going to run the offense the way that I want it, I'm just going to put anybody else in, and I'm the greatest modern coach in NFL history, so it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. And I'll do whatever I want to do. Whatever it is, man. I mean, Mac Jones looks bad out there. Uh, he does. And he, he did not look bad last year. Uh, I, I You know, it, it's kind of the old adage, when you have zero quarterbacks, you have zero quarterbacks. Uh, and that's what we're <laughs> – we're looking at to an extent here i saw you uh, smiling when you get when you deliver that line you knew that was a solid one i thought of it in the shower this morning <laughs> um, but yeah it's i i don't know what yeah and we're also not gonna eulogize mac jones right here uh anyway but uh i don't know what he would become five years down the line, you know, would we be sitting here and being like, ah, Patriots, you know, pretty good, but got to upgrade that quarterback at some point, the kind of Kirk cousins type of, uh, you know, type of career path here. And, and there's nothing wrong with Kirk Cousins as a ceiling, but Kirk Cousins is probably the ceiling uh, is what you're looking at. So uh, there's not a, <laughs> there's not necessarily a right choice, but uh, it's just like, I don't know if, if you are not going all in and and making an aggressive uh, draft move or, or you think someone's going to shake loose uh, that you can get your hands on in terms of veteran stuff. I just, it, it's so illogical to me to say uh, we're setting aside Mac Jones and, and going with Bailey Zappi. And I don't think they closed the door on it, but obviously this swung the door wide open for Bailey Zappi to uh, take this job. 
if you're a uh, couple random thoughts, if you're Bailey Zappi, you own the fact that your last name is Zappi and in practice, when you make a nice throw, you go up to Mac Jones and I'm, I kind of have my fingers and pistols and you go like, bzz, 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 you know, <laughs> you would definitely do that. Right. No doubt. No question in my mind. Um, the second is, have you seen the uh, Skycam Zapruder film from the Bears game? That it, that hit the wire on that the it, uh, Mac that Jones That the Mac interception. Jones interception hit the wire on Skycam so that there's an, uh, there is a universe that exists right now in which Belichick mistakenly benched his franchise quarterback yeah. for hitting the Skycam wire, which yep. is phenomenal. Um, third thing, Mac Jones did the good teammate thing. He uh, stood on the sideline and high five Zappy after he came back and led the touchdown drive. Do you do that if you're Mac Jones? Are you are you like a high like I got benched, but I'll still be there for a high five kind of guy? Yeah, I don't think you have a choice at that point. Uh, man, I, I I'm trying to think who could I it, like <laughs> to get away with not doing that. It has to be like your Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid just pulled you for Chad Henney. Uh, like, it just has to be so ridiculous that everyone just says, like, oh, yeah, you know, this is ridiculous that it's happening. Um, but, man, uh, it's got to just be miserable to be Mac Jones right now. One more point on this, and then uh, I think we can uh, safely uh, we can safely move on. So... Nick Cayley is your tight ends coach um, mm-hmm. on the Patriots roster. Um, seems like in a normal logical universe, when everybody gets moved up, he's the guy that assumes the play calling duties. If you're not going to bring back Bill O'Brien, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you, you bump him up. Um, that didn't happen for, for whatever reason. I don't know why. Um, you know, maybe it was loyalty to Judge and Patricia, whatever it was. And we've all had our fun with this notion that, you know, they're both trying to call the offense or whatever, whatever's happening. Mm -hmm. But I mean, is this worth it to you for Bill Belichick? Like if you're Bill Belichick, is this really worth it to you? You have a guy who can probably call the offense, who knows the offense really well on your coaching staff. Then you have two guys who like, is it worth sinking Mac Jones to prove a point and stick with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia is, is my question. I think that's the cynical way of looking at it. Has this whole offensive coordinator situation been uh, basically uh, just just uh, something with the goal of rehabilitating the image of Matt Patricia and or Joe Judge? And if so, uh, yeah, that's that's the question. Is this <laughs> is this worth it? Again, I don't know. I don't know if Mac Jones was going to be the long term guy anyway, but. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's just like you're you're gonna play the six foot kind of pop gun arm dude and and try and scheme this all up. And if it works, I guess Matt Patricia is going to get lauded for for making it work with uh, uh with kind of an underwhelming talent under center. But uh, it's it's just been a really weird uh, eight or nine months here since Josh McDaniels left. It has been a weird eight or nine months. I think that's the safe way to put it. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We have more insightful conversations between myself, Paul Muldoon, and Paul McCartney about his life and career. It was 20 years ago today. We had a 
big bear of a man, he's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. I said, what? Sergeant Pepper? This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, here, there and everywhere. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. What does optimism look like? I'm on a quest to find the people who inspire us to dream more and do more. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. I talk to all sorts of people, from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to a hairdresser on Instagram who gives out free haircuts to the homeless, from the CEOs of the world's largest companies to the comedy writer who visited the wreckage of the Titanic. I love talking to leaders, artists, authors, and eccentrics about life, leadership, purpose, mental fitness, human skills, high performance, and other curious things. It leaves me feeling wiser, more inspired, and, well, more optimistic. Because after all, this is a bit of optimism. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look for it. Listen to a bit of optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflategate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top the Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Information Network and six-time Emmy-nominated news anchor Vanessa Tyler welcome you to Blackland. A podcast about the ground on which the black community stands right now. From stories about salvation. And loss. They did not love themselves enough to know their HIV status, to not pass it on to me. To dreams achieved. Or still yet unfulfilled. From people who have made it. We started a hospital-based violence intervention program called the IV Project, and it stands for Interrupting Violence in Youth and Young Adults. To those who have been left behind. But no one talks about the survivors of the gun violence, and the numbers rising because the gun violence has risen. Politically. Financially. Emotionally. Spiritually. This is where we are. This is Blackland. And one of the things that my father said to me before he passed away is like a, almost like a prophecy. He said that I would be helping men. Listen to Blackland on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. 
but we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back for me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Connor Orr, give me your dream trades. Trade deadline coming up in uh, less than a week here. All right. Um, So I I just kind of want to thumbs down. I got seven of them for you. Um, Okay. I'm going to start with the least sexy, and then I'll kind of work my way up. Mm-hmm. Um, to trick everybody into staying until the end of the podcast. All right. You have to listen to the ads so that Gary and I can <laughs> survive uh, as as human beings. Uh, all right. So first one, I'm not even going to do a drum roll for it, uh, for it Gary. Um, not totally sexy, but, uh, you know, kind of a tea leaves one here. And again, these are dream trades. So this one was kind of a short afternoon nap <laughs> dream, right? Yeah. Um, Maybe after consuming a little too much cold medicine. But um, Naheem Hines to the Rams. What do you think about that? Okay. Yeah, I can get behind that. Uh, the one bummer for the Rams, uh, just from a from a draft dork standpoint, is, uh, yes, the fact that Cam Akers is, for whatever reason, no longer uh, really a part of their program for the time being is, is a bummer. But uh, I was kind of curious to see what Kyron Williams does. Uh, the the rookie out of Notre Dame, what was he a fifth round pick? Uh, Me too. He he kind of fits that mold. I don't think he's Naeem Hines' uh, level of ability as a pass catcher, but I think he can be in that you know general mold there. So that's the only reason I'm I'm a little bit uh, a little bit standoffish on that one because I would like to see a little more run for uh, Kyron Williams once he's healthy and ready to go. I think the thing is right like. You were in on Christian McCaffrey. You're not getting him. The next, uh, and I have the next best pass catching back kind of factoring in elsewhere here mm-hmm. uh, in, mm-hmm. in a surprise. Um, uh, so you by by virtue of your interest in Christian McCaffrey, you have telegraphed the need for that, right? Which yeah. is speed out of the backfield, pass catching ability out of the backfield to help Matt Stafford. Yep. And you could see why a good check down option would open up stuff for that okay um okay so i'm i'm warming up yeah okay um so let's stay with the rams because they're gonna make two moves here gary in my Mm -hmm. dreams second one uh minor drum roll uh chase claypool to the rams what do you think about that one i really like chase claypool me too Uh, i don't know why it's not quite working out in Pittsburgh. Well, I have my ideas of why it's not working out in Pittsburgh. Uh, it seems like he hasn't grown past that kind of gadgety type of role and, and being the, uh, uh, the fly sweep guy. And yeah, um, man, where, I don't know. where else would there be a prominent role for a fly sweep guy? That's exactly what I'm talking about. He can get those Ben Squaronic touches. I old, know uh, it would be so much better. Old teammates at Notre Dame. Uh, yes. I'd, I'd like to see him again. I, I guess I should, pump the brakes on this because I was so excited to see Allen Robinson kind of revive that Kenny Galladay type of role with Matthew Stafford and it it clearly has not worked out this year but I just like to see just chuck it to Chase Claypool like we gotta we gotta get that just nine route just chuck it and just let him uh you know let him do a power forward thing and make some plays yes um not you know I I like that one and you you mentioned Kenny Galladay um I mean Maybe that's a guy too. That if you're the Rams, you just call and you say, "Hey, 
you know, what's going on here? Um, we could probably make this work, you know? Probably yeah. helps a little bit. That's a, it, it, it would be a lot of confidence <laughs> to look at Kenny Galladay right now and be like, we can make this work. But I guess that would be the most logical uh, landing spot if he was actually going to become a, uh, a productive member of a NFL roster. Yeah. Um, next one, uh, Stefan Gilmore, either to the Ravens or back to Buffalo. Oh, man. I love back to Buffalo there. Uh, right? Although, in a way, I don't love it because I love the fact that the Bills have kept this thing going with all the injuries in the secondary, and it's just been really nice. But, uh, man, you love a reunion story. that You love anyone going to Western New York. Uh, we wish we were there right now, but... We yeah. spent a fun afternoon in Lockport together. We did. You and I. Hit, hit Niagara. Lockport, Tonawanda, North Tonawanda. Tonawanda. Yes. We, we saw it all. We did We did see it all. Uh, before downtown it got, Buffalo. Before it got really dark, really early. Um, <laughs> 4 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, uh, you know, j- just south of uh, Anchorage. Um <laughs> Yeah, well, sorry, what was the other one? I, I just blacked out after you said Stefan Gilmore to Buffalo. Well, the Ravens, right? So the, the Ravens. Ravens. Have, the Ravens have one of the lowest, um, the worst dropback success rates for opposing quarterbacks in the NFL. It, this just seems like a Ravensy thing to do, right? You yes. bring in like a solid veteran at the deadline. Um, yep. But Buffalo, Buffalo I like for Gilmore. And like you think about Jerry Hughes in Houston too, where it's like you could – like. Buffalo, you don't want to mess with the chemistry too much, but if you brought back like two classic bills and two yeah. good guys, like legitimately good guys, how much would that kind of just fire up the whole locker room, right? Like that's your second half springboard, you know? And Jerry That'd Hughes awesome. is playing good football, you know? Yes. Yeah, he's I look, I hope he comes up on your dream list here. Although I was that it? Was that that was appearance? it. Yeah, that was Jerry okay. Hughes. Like, I'm, I'm just throwing that in there. Um, okay. I'm actually editing it as we talk. So anything that sounds good to me, I'm just actually throwing on here um, yeah. uh, as we go. Because uh, yeah. I do. I was thinking about a way to fit Jerry Hughes in here. And I do think that that's a uh, that's a good one. Um, so what about J.J. Watt to the Chiefs, Gary? Yeah, yes, yes, uh, but I also still – I'm so disappointed in J.J. Watt for having the free agency tour and being like, yeah, Arizona Cardinals, that's a well-run organization. That, that'll that get me over the Super Bowl hump. I'll go to Arizona. Uh, so I kind of want him to continue to have to eat that, uh, a small part of me. But, uh, but yeah, obviously, I, I would like to see J.J. Watt play on a team that makes a, a deep postseason run, so uh, – I will allow him to do that as long as he makes some passive aggressive comments about the Cardinals on the way out of there. I think that's totally in the cards. Um, but yes, based on JJ Watts logic during his free agency tour, he probably like begs the Cardinals to construct a trade to like the Seahawks or something yeah. like that for him at the deadline to give yeah. him the best chance to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> Not going to happen. That's, that's a boy. Seahawks catching a stray on that one. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Seahawks. <laughs> back, that's not fair. back to the Texans. How about that? <laughs> Send me back to Houston. Davis mills. Um, okay. Next one. This is my favorite one, but it's probably the most unrealistic. Um, well, it's not the most unreal. None of these are outlandish. JJ yeah. might be a little outlandish. Um, but what about Kareem hunt to the Titans? Um, here's why. Okay. Yeah. Justify it. You have to do, 
you have to do a time. You have to start doing a timeshare with Derrick Henry. You have to, mm-hmm. like the Browns do with Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt can handle that role, and Derrick Henry, I think, is your second most targeted receiver right now. And Kareem Hunt can handle the third down role. Um, I know they have other capable backs, but like uh, at this point, you you just kind of have to roll with what you got. You know, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to be very much in the conversation for a wide receiver. You're not going to be a destination at this point for a wide out. You kind of hope that when Traylon Burks is back, you can get some juice going with him. But that's kind of your options at this point, right? So why not triple down on the running game? Because that's kind of what you got at this point. Yeah, I I don't want to move off my take that the Titans are just dead in the water offensively if anything happens to Derrick Henry. Uh I'm uh, I'm going to thumbs down it okay. for that reason. I just think it's a completely... The way you have to approach uh, defending Derrick Henry is so much different than the way you have to approach defending basically any other back in the league. Uh, bo- both from a challenge standpoint, a difficulty standpoint, but also in, in the just tactical way you have to attack him early in the down. Uh, I don't like that one. I'm, I'm thumbs downing. Uh, Kareem Hunt stays in Cleveland. Bum, 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 bum. Um, okay. Uh, so how about the last one here? Jerry Judy, Gary, to mm-hmm. the Packers of Green Bay. Uh, and here's the logic behind this one. Um, Jerry Judy is a burner, right? Yep. And uh, the Packers already have their their physical guy. They have Al Mazart. They have their blocker, their shove guy, their you know uh, aggressive guy. And, you know, the the other component piece to that offense is a burner, right? You can't you can't have anything else, really, um, because without Devontae Adams, who's your everything guy, um, then you need a burner. And they don't really have that functional piece in their offense right now. I like it a lot, but not necessarily for 2022. I don't think they fix it in 2022. I think they're just going to be a mediocre offense. And mm. I think if the defense takes off, they get to the playoffs. If it doesn't, they're going to, you know, be sitting at eight and eight and uh, maybe trying to, to sneak their way into the seventh seed in the end. Uh, I really like Jerry Judy. I, I love him as a route runner. And I think because uh, of all the quarterback issues they've had in Denver, we really haven't, you know, had a chance to sort of see him take off a little bit, but uh, I would love to see, I'm not going to say he's Devontae Adams. I do think there is a place in the metaverse, a timeline where he sort of becomes sort of a a poor man's Devontae Adams uh, with Mm -hmm. his style of play. Obviously that could, that could happen in Green Bay, but I think anyone who comes in there, I think just chemistry issues mean it's going to take, at least an off season together at this point to actually get them up to speed in Green Bay. So I like the thought of Jerry Judy going to the Packers, but I don't think the payoff comes until next uh, next September. But it, but yes, I will I will thumbs up that one. I I do like it. So would yeah, I mean, so would you then? Like if you're the Packers, I you're right. I don't know what fixes anything right now outside of. I mean, everything's broken. A.J. Dillon's broken. The offensive line's broken. Like, mm-hmm. nobody's playing close to their capabilities. Um, like, would a Chase Claypool factor in a little bit better there? Like, I, I'm trying to think of something that could immediately unlock. Like, because that's what they were doing with Christian Watson, right? He was doing a yep. ton of—he was the jet sweep guy. So, yeah. 
and do you just and and you lost uh, Valdez Scantling this off season? So do you kind of think okay, like maybe Claypool comes way cheaper than Jerry Judy, and uh, you know at the worst Aaron Rodgers can just bomb it to this guy, you know, and yeah. uh, and and jet sweep it to this guy. I think short term Claypool makes more sense. I I think even regardless of price, Claypool might make more sense in that you can just be like, all right, we're gonna have a half dozen plays basically designed for you each week hopefully we get one big one out of it and that's yep. that's the way they're going to live at this point but uh i just it, i i think if they do come around offensively it's going to be uh, it, it gosh there, there's just so much going on there uh but aaron Rodgers is not necessarily wrong when he's what, what was the quote 20 percent of the, of the time people are making mental mistakes i think it was 80 percent of the time and 20 percent they weren't wasn't oh, it 20 percent <laughs> was it that's that's much worse <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot worse. Yeah. Um, it's not completely off base. Uh, and you can see, especially when he breaks the pocket, it's just not It's just not happening. Like, dudes are, I don't know if they're not aware that he's broken the pocket or they don't know where to go. Um, they're just not running the space in the way that uh, you would normally see from, again, it's like you're, you're rewinded back seven, eight years to, like, the Jordy Nelson days, the young Randall Cobb days, uh, the James Jones days, and, and, like, those dudes knew how to do the improvisational game with him. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, it's just going to take time unless you, I don't know, inject Jordy Nelson with something. Uh, move Jordy Nelson's brain into someone else's body and go go from there. Move, move Jordy Nelson's brain. If you were a... If you were like a receiver on the fringe, right? Mm-hmm. Would you take a complete brain transplant? Because uh, then it's not you enjoying the success, Correct. right? Yeah, yeah. and so and that's the that. that's that's the question here. Uh, and and then would your brain have to be put into a discarded Jordy Nelson's body? Oh man, season five. That'd be West, tough. Season five of Westworld <laughs> is going to be so good. Um, <laughs> No, because that's the thing. Like you'd be Jordy Nelson. You what is it? He's a wheat farmer, uh, or or that's like his hobby now. He probably doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to. So I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. If if you don't love football as much, you can just fast forward to retirement and just be Jordy Nelson, being John Malkovich style, and just hang out in retirement. That's cool. Um, the Wichita Eagle is forcing me to pay for a story. <laughs> Um, on what's happening with Jordy Nelson now. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, and I would argue, or I would, I would, I I would ask everybody to subscribe to your local newspaper, especially the Wichita, Mm -hmm. but so I don't know, I don't know what Jordy Nelson is doing right now, but, um, you can find out in the Wichita Eagle. (laughs) What, what a tease. Nice little bump for the Wichita Eagle. Let's uh, check in on their uh, subscriber numbers after this. Hell yeah. Let let us know what our influence is. Zero. (laughs) The MMQB NFL podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gremling. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. And our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Mravik is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Super Bowl champion Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts. And once you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. 
The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look. And I'm obsessed with looking for it. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. Each week, I have a short conversation with someone who inspires me or teaches me something about life, leadership, and other curious things. I hope you'll join me on the journey. Listen to A Bit of Optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Information Network and six-time Emmy-nominated news anchor Vanessa Tyler welcome you to Blackland. A podcast about the ground on which the black community stands right now. From stories about salvation and loss. I loved a person who had an HIV diagnosis. To dreams achieved. Or yet unfulfilled. From people who have made it. I sat down with a therapist and I began my journey. To those left behind. Listen to Blackland on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, fellow 20-somethings. It's your girl, Sydney Winter. And guess what? The wait is finally over. Season four of Crying in Public is here, and I'm flying solo for the very first time. That's right, no co-host to rein me in, just me and myself in the mic. From relationships to careers and all the awkward encounters in between, we're covering it all. So mark your calendars and set your reminders because Crying in Public is dropping its juiciest season yet. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nazi V2 was a rocket-powered bomb traveling faster than the speed of sound. You couldn't hear it coming. A technological miracle, but a military and economic disaster for Nazi Germany. How did the V2 come into existence, and why were so many of the people it hurt not the people you might expect? Join me, Tim Harford, host of Cautionary Tales, for my gripping mini-series on the V2 rocket, available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Justin Richmond, host of the Broken Record Podcast. Join me along with co-host Leah Rose as we sit down with the artists you love to get unparalleled creative insight. You'll hear revealing interviews with some of the most legendary figures in music like Paul Simon, Usher, Pete Townsend, Damon Albarn of the Gorillaz, and Missy Elliott. And you'll hear from up-and-comers like jazz artist Leve, who told me about her fast rise to fame during the pandemic. Listen to Broken Record on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.